Hello, you're listening to Connect, Collaborate, and Create with Lisa and Devo. Each week on our podcast, we will discuss and dissect ways we are attempting to live our best life through our business, our personal lives, and connections and relationships we forge that make us successful. We have Joe Holly, who's coming on. He's going to tell us a little bit about how he's changed his life. He was a big deal NFL player, mm-hmm. and now he has a van and a dog that he travels around the world in or around the States. I want to hear all the places he's traveled to, actually. So, Joe, you are you should have an option from us to jump in if you're still there and didn't, didn't uh, leave us. Sorry for that. You were supposed to be on 20 minutes ago, but... Lisa, Lisa just asked so many questions, it's hard to get her to stop talking. So <laughs> no, that was great. Uh-huh. You'll see how this goes. All right. So we've given you three introductions because you're like VIP. So we started off with Lisa gave you a third one. But really, truthfully. Wasn't he supposed to come through a smoke cloud? That's mine. Uh, okay. Don't. So, Joe, thank you for jumping on and thank you for going through that hour with us. We're, I know we're behind schedule on it, uh, but so much good information. It's hard to just amazing information. I, yeah, I'm trying to absorb it all. That's awesome. Dave had my head swimming at, in the beginning. So I had to sit here and just kind of like recompose and take notes. And then Dr. Rajal came in and gave us some amazing info. So your story is brilliant. And I don't know if you listened to her segue, but she talked about some of her five points on living your best life, which is kind of the impetus behind the show, providing thought leadership so people can do just that. And she gave you a perfect segue in living in a more simple, smaller footprint life. And, and, and I feel a- like you have a tagline around that too. Yeah. yeah. So just, just kind of, if you don't mind, um, before we jump into Q&A with you, tell me a little bit about your story and, and kind of who you are and what you are and all those good things. And you have to tell us about the glory of the beard. The beard's getting a little ridiculous. So when I, I'm on quarantine, so my barber's not working right now. So I got to just let it go. Um, but yeah, my name is Joe uh, Holly. I played in the NFL for eight seasons. I got drafted in 2010 by the Falcons. I played five years there. Um, then I went to the Buccaneers, uh, for three years. And in 2017, I decided to, um, you know, after my body started getting breaking down, um, and I realized that, you know, it was, it was really becoming more of a business and I wasn't satisfied. It was really stressful. And I just felt like there was something more out there for me. So I decided to walk away from the game. Um, I ended up giving all my stuff away to charity, bought a van and traveled the country for, better part of a year and a half. And, um, you know, it was just kind of this, when I first went off on the trip, it was all about trying to explore my freedom from football for the first time. What is life like without having to play this game? I spent my whole life playing. And while I was on the road, um, you know, I learned a lot about myself, uh, who I am as a person, what, what I'm capable of. And, you know, I connected with all these tools to help heal my body uh, heal my mind, um, you know, found a deeper spirituality on the road as well. And, you know, getting out in nature and traveling and learning and experiencing and connecting with like-minded people has been an absolute life-changing experience. And, you know, I'm currently working on a book now to share that experience with others. And, you know, that's the journey I'm on now. How long did it take you to actually unplug? Like, it's not like you would just sell everything, jump in your van and off you go. And then you start having these totally different experiences. Like how long did it take you to change that routine? Um, it was a slow process, um, getting into the idea of getting the van and giving everything away. 
Um, I, when I, after my last season, I had like a few months in my house. That's when I decided to buy the van. And then I was, um, I was actually going to sell everything on, I started putting like items like furniture on off like apps, like offer up. And I actually went through this process where I put a lamp on there to test it out. And I posted the lamp for like 10 bucks. And then someone's like, I'll give you four bucks. And I was like, how about six bucks? And I was like, okay. And then this person's like, okay, I'll be over there in like four hours. And then I had to wait for a couple hours and they came and they paid me four bucks for this lamp. And I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, this is just a waste of time. I don't need the money. I was like, I'm just going to give all this away. So I found a nonprofit um, in Tampa that had a bunch of volunteers come and just take all the furniture and they ended up giving it to a family recovering from domestic violence. And so that was like this slow process where I was like, okay, I'm just going to give everything away. And then as far as getting in the van, it was once I hit the road, it was kind of just, I let the experience kind of happen. I really didn't have a lot of it planned out. And I kind of just, I, I had some places I wanted to go and I just decided to hit the road and, and, and head to different places and it kind of the experience kind of grew on itself. So I'm not sure why, but for whatever reason, we lost our video. So this has turned into a podcast. So we're just going to keep rolling with it. Um, we're in a really bad lightning storm right now here. So I'm imagining that has something to do with it. So I like your question, Lisa, in terms of, you know, the slow drip around migrating into your new normal. When I'd like to go back before you made that decision to retire and you talked about pain on your body and, and that sort of thing. And, and, I played football in college and never really told you that. So I completely understand that space. It literally takes like an entire week to recover. And that was just on a smaller level. So I'm wondering, it took you eight, 10 years. You played in the NFL. You obviously played college football and you've been playing contact sports your whole life. When you got into the NFL, A, was it everything you thought it was going to be? And then B, when you started nearing the decision to kind of quit and try something different, was that a slow drip over those eight years or was that kind of like just one morning you woke up Eureka and like, I think I'm just going to try something different here. Yeah, it was definitely a slow process. Um, you know, I think when you, when you're in the NFL and like when I first got there, it was like this really amazing experience. Like I got to, um, you know, I got drafted. It was like living out a child's dream, but as soon as you get there, it's like, okay, how do I become a starter now? How do I see the field? And you're constantly working and grinding to try and keep stay in the league and then make, make more money, make the next contract, compete with the next guy, get ready for the game. So it's like, you're constantly grinding, trying to make the next level. And every year my body would just get broken down even more and even more. And I think if you ask anybody that's in the NFL in the middle of the season, when it's just grind time that they'd be like, I'm not sure if I'm going to play next year. It's just, it, it, my body hurts that bad and there's so much stress. And so it, you, you get the off season comes around, your body gets to recover after a few months and then you get ready and prepared for the next year. Um, but yeah, as far as me being done, I mean, probably started thinking about it like my fifth or sixth year, like how many more years do I have doing this? And eventually it came to the point I was ready to be done after my seventh year, but I was a free agent, ended up wanting to test the market and ended up getting a one, one year deal uh, with Tampa. So I decided to play my last year there and actually wasn't i was they i actually lost the starting job to a younger guy and i was actually on the the sidelines for the majority of the year where i wasn't even dressing and i was at i was at this point where i was watching the game from the sidelines and i was totally content with it which was like this experience where i realized at that point like maybe this isn't what i'm supposed to be doing now because every other part of my career when i've been on the sidelines i've had this like fire to like go out there and compete and play 
And that last year, I was like, you know what? I'm okay with not playing anymore. And that's when I realized it was you know, time to move on. So early on in the process, you hung up the boots, hung up the shoulder pads, and you had this new journey. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that journey in a second. But was there any point early on, maybe when you started your road trip, that you had regrets about your decision? Were you looking back as the new season started up and maybe you heard from old friends that you played with and whatnot and you know they were checking in and telling you their updates? Was there any point when you're on the road and driving with your dog, which you're going to tell us about in a second? I love that story. I watched it on YouTube last night. Was there any point when you're like, holy shit, man, did I make the right decision? Um, no, I, I totally knew it was time. I think there was, you know, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to go in the van and travel because I think most people that most athletes, when they're done, that next season comes and there's a lot of, there's a lot of grief because it's something you've played your whole life and you're missing it. And I had this whole other experience where I was actually like, didn't really watch football the whole season. I maybe watched a few of the Tampa Bay Bucks games because I still knew the players there, but I really distanced myself from the game. And it wasn't until really like last year. And now that I'm kind of slowing down with the travel and moving into other endeavors that I'm actually starting to really miss the game. And now that I've had enough distance, you know, it's going into my third year being done. My body's starting to feel better. I've healed my body. Um, so I'm starting to forget about how hard it was physically and mentally and all the stress. And I'm just remembering all the good times. So now I'm starting to actually miss it a little bit more. Um, but there's, there's no, been no regret about, about leaving when I did. Um, I just didn't have any more to give the game. And I'm really grateful for that because I feel like 99% of all athletes in every sport, their career is over before they would really like it to be. And I gave football everything I had and you know, I just had nothing more to give to it. I do miss the game. I miss being in a locker room. I miss the whole atmosphere and playing, but there's nothing in me that knows that I could go back and do that or regrets going back or wishing I could go back. It's just more of a nostalgia thing. Um, I love something. Well, I love everything you said, but I love something that you said uh, just a, a wee bit back um, and being the fact that I'm not sporty spice. So I don't have all these fantastic fiery, um, sports analogies or stories to talk about, but you were talking about, you know, losing the fire and finding the fire in your life too. And I, I'm excited to hear more about that. Like for the rest of us that, that didn't have, or don't have that, that exciting um, backstory, what can we do to have that fire in our life? And I feel like no matter what you do, you do have to have that passion in your life. You have to have that drive. And I think a lot of us sometimes lose it, but we keep plugging away and doing something and endure to the end for the rest of our lives, doing something that we don't love. So you made that big decision to step out of that comfort zone and, and find what you said are those tools mm. to have that passion. Yeah. I mean, it's football was my passion my childhood dream. And it came to a point over the last couple of years where I just didn't have that passion for it anymore. And, you know, I think we all have like a soul deep calling within us, no matter what that is. But I think it, it really comes down to using these tools to slow down and listen to our hearts and what makes us feel most alive. And, you know, we're in this society where there's a lot of conditioning around. We need to make a lot of money, go after the job. That's the highest paying or, whatever it is, you know, go get a big house, a nice car. And we have these things that we think we need to achieve to be quote unquote successful. But a lot of times it's not aligned with what makes us most satisfied on the inside. I think 
being able to slow down. And this is a great time for this. You know, everybody's lives are kind of in this huge transition. The whole world's in this transition. It's really a good time to slow down and go inward and be like, what, what does set my soul on fire? What makes me happy? And the beautiful thing is that, you know, going back to when you were a kid, like what were your interests when you were a kid? Like thinking about that, what, what did you dream about being when you were a kid and being able to connect with that? And the beautiful thing about what we, the society that we live in and the way with the internet, like there's so much opportunity to create a business and make money off of our passions. And so that we don't have to be stuck in a job that is unsatisfying or unhappy. There's stories of so many people that are leaving these jobs because they aren't happy and going and pursuing their passions. So it's really about finding out what you want to do and what makes you happy and how you want to live your life, you know, like not doing it for anybody else, but really what, what makes you happy. I mean, we've been blessed with this experience to live life like and it's waking up with gratitude and, and enjoyment and, you know, trying to enjoy the experience that we've been given. But I, I think exactly what you said, you know, we're conditioned even from being in high school or school, you know, you go to your counselor and you pick the job that you say, okay, I want to do this because it's going to make the most money. And I think that's how we're conditioned. So how do we become introspective and figure out like, you know, what is our passion? You know, what are those tools that we do to really do some soul searching and figure out this is what I want to do. It might not make the most money, but this is what I, I think that I'm, I'm made to do. Yeah, it's wild that we're, it's, it's, you know, I can't imagine, you know, kids when they're in 18, 19, 20 years old, figure out what they want to do with their whole lives. It's kind of a skewed system, you know, in, in America, we're in this, this culture where if we don't, we, it's all about going to college, getting a degree, getting into the workforce. And if you take a year off or two years off to go travel or go try new things and experience, it's like, you're going to be behind everybody so it's like creates this competition and this rat race we got to get plugged in right away and then you're working for retirement all of a sudden you know i'm, I'm seeing people you know in, in their 40s 50s 60s and all of a sudden they're like wait like this is what i've been working for like now what and i think the new thing is like how can i integrate and live a life that i want while working and creating this whole like total plan of how i can enjoy my life while i'm making money and moving forward and you know, some of the tools I use that really help me slow down is, you know, we med meditation has been a huge thing. Yoga, journaling, these tools to really process really what does make us happy. And, you know, we have this, this mind and this monkey mind that's constantly racing in the conditioning society and being able to use meditation as a tool and journaling as a tool to slow down and really come back to yourself and what you want and how you want to approach life and the things that you want to experience in this life you know, and trying new things. Like, I think a lot of us were forced to f figure out what we want to do when we're 18, 19 in college. Like I'm, I'm 31. Luckily I'm, I played a kid's game my whole life, but now I'm, I'm just getting done. And I'm like, okay, like, what do I want to do with my life? And it's like, I can't imagine having these questions like at such a young age and having it figured out. Cause I still don't know. I'm still trying things out and testing things out. And I think that's a lifelong journey. And if something that you're really passionate about for a few years, then all of a sudden it's something that doesn't set your soul on fire anymore. Like try new things. It's, it's all about living the life and experiencing it to the fullest. So I'm in my forties, Joe. So a little bit older than you. And I still don't know. Well, <laughs> this is man talk right now. Okay. So Joe, between you and I, since it's just you and I chatting now, um, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. It's insane. Yep. That That's a brilliant point that, you know, you're 20 years old and you're suddenly thrust out into this, this wild, crazy world. And you said, okay, now survive and go do things. And people just end up, I always call that the white picket fence syndrome where, 
You get married, you go to college, you get a job. I did the exact same thing. I took a, I had an opportunity to do a fantastic job up on the working in the shores of Maine, working with kids and camps. And I ended up going to work for a bank because they were going to pay me a lot of money and I was poor, didn't have the slightest idea. So it's a brilliant point. Um, you said something a few seconds ago in terms of finding your happy space. You said the stuff that makes your soul smile. I love that. And it's almost, you know, people talk about all the negativity of everything that's going on right now with COVID. And, but it's almost like for me, the way we look at it, we talk about it all the time. It's almost like this was a test biology room set up just for this purpose of, you know, maybe you are still working a, a nine to five corporate job, but now you're forced to work from home. Maybe on the side, you do those extra hours in the evening to start setting up your side gig that really makes your soul smile. It's, it's kind of weird. Like it's almost like this was planned out in a way for people to wake up finally. Yeah, there's a, uh, I mean, I don't know what the bigger play is here, like, but there's definitely something that's happening, whether it's in you know, nature, just giving us a kind of a, a, a smackdown telling us to slow down. I just want to take a breath. Um, but yeah, it's definitely an opportunity. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fear out there. A lot of the media is like, I, I think the best way is to unplug from all that because constantly looking at the media and getting this fear in your system is just really not a good thing. So I've been able to unplug and look at it as an opportunity to really slow down and have space to be creative and create and learn and grow and do some introspection. And there's just a lot of opportunity here um, to sit with what's coming up within you. I think a lot of times, even in our society, if we have like these emotions or these, these anxieties come up, we usually go, we're able to go like kind of mask them and numb them out with whatever thing. And now we're kind of stuck and forced to sit with our stuff. And um, it's bringing up a lot for a lot of people. It's bringing up a lot for me and being able to, you know, journal through that stuff, meditate and have this space to create and, and really figure out what I want to bring into the world. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really a perspective. Like how, how do you look at it? So Joe, I'm going to go uh, back into the, to this two year road trip you did. So I I'm fascinated by your story and, and we were watching some of your YouTube videos and I found a really good one, a well-produced one on the NFL channel um, that I am going to share in the production of this, if you don't mind, but yeah, they did. No worries, a, thank you. Yeah, it was fantastic. They did a piece on you and it was like a three minute video. And one of the things that fascinated me about you and is this true, true token of your character is that you talked about selling some stuff and then you ended up giving it away to a charity, which was fantastic. And they had the, they showed the video of people coming in and just take, and you're basically living on a crate for a few months before you finally got your truck out rigged and stuff. Can you take us through a little bit in the space of your, you, you've made the decision, you sold all those things, which is fantastic. You're on the road now and you, you, you have a dog yeah, let's talk about the dog. And you named it something very specifically, but you made kind of an analogy to your dog's name and kind of what you're doing now. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So my dog, I, I knew when I was going on the road trip that it might be, you know, the road might be a lonely place by myself. And I thought bringing a, a pup would be um, a great thing to keep me company. And so I decided to, to rescue a dog. I went to a bunch of shelters and, ended up finding, uh, this one, I ended up naming her freedom, uh, for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, you know, her experiencing her freedom, cause it was a, it was a high kill shelter for rescues. And so I felt this, you know, she, she finally got a sense of freedom. I was, had this new kind of sense of freedom from football and, um, we got to go explore the, the, the country together. And it was really a beautiful 
beautiful thing. Um, I know we both found each other in this beautifully symbiotic way. And, um, I don't, you know, the whole experience would not be the same without her. Um, you know, I shared a lot of my journey on my blog and it's funny now, even I've kind of got away from the traveling and I don't really post that much on Instagram. I'm trying to transition more into a personal brand. And it's funny how many people still like, where's freedom at? Like send pictures of freedom. We want to see more freedom. And so, um, she's definitely been a big part of the journey and I'm so grateful that I, you know, found her and, and she found me. And I just put in the chat room the way to find your blog. I, I think is that the actual URL, Man Van Dog Blog, right? Yeah, if you if you Google that, all my stuff will come up. My website's manvandogblog.com and then all my social medias, yeah. So you're on the road. Tell tell me a little bit about that. You're are you staying exclusively in the van? Are you stopping at friends? Are you just tell take us through your road trip? Where did you start and kind of some of the favorite places? And just tell us a little bit of behind the scenes what that looked like. Yeah, I did a little bit of all of that. Um, I bought this E350 Ford cargo van converted by Sportsmobile pop top. And to be honest, it really wasn't terribly comfortable. Um, so I did stay with a lot of friends when I'd stay at campsites and national parks and stuff. But um, and then if it was too hot, I didn't have an AC in it. So if it was too hot, I'd get hotel rooms at times as well, too, especially if I'd go visit like bigger cities. I wouldn't be staying in the van. Um, and then I traveled, I, you know, wanted to see, there's a few national parks that I really had on my list that I wanted to see. Um, and a part of my travel experience was going to baseball stadiums as well. I got really into baseball and fantasy baseball and it was during the baseball season when I first took off. So I went to over 20 stadiums, um, probably over 50 baseball games in a year and a half. And, uh, that was a lot of fun and just being out in nature and like unplugging and going really like inward and like experiencing, you know, out, out the outdoors and going on hikes. And then also going into like big cities. Like I went up the East coast and went to like DC, New York, Boston and, and visiting friends. I have friends all over the country, which is really amazing. And just being able to like experience these amazing times and then like going to New York and going into the city and experiencing and like a lot of energy. And then, going into Shenandoah national park, which is a few hours away and really unplugging and getting in nature and recharging and then kind of going back and forth. And the beautiful thing about the whole experience was every time I'd have an amazing experience, I would get in the van and like leave and be like, okay, I'm kind of like sad that that's over. But then I went off into the unknown again, into a new experience. And I just, it was a constant, like, okay, what am I going to go experience now? And like the synchronicities and the people I met and just the places I got to see, like it was just such an epic adventure. And I like had so much fun doing it. So um, on one of the videos that we were stalking, it was talking about your creative, you know, being able to be creative as well. And you're doing a lot of drone coverage and everything. So obviously your, your production skills have, have probably increased it. Your drone coverage is amazing. Um, Thank you. What other skills have you found that you've just developed that either you wanted to, or you didn't even realize that you had? Yeah, it's funny. So I've always had like a creative eye. I was in art classes before I really dove into football. And once I decided to do football, like all that kind of creative outlet stuff mm -hmm. took a back seat. And so when I got done, I actually, when I started doing the blog, I was like, I'm going to do a blog. I'm going to do all this writing and it's going to be great. And I actually sat down before I took off and wrote like this whole thing. I spent like a bunch of hours on it and I went and read, reread through it. And I was like, wow, that sounds terrible. 
was like, I don't, I don't know if I can write. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And so I was like, well, let me, let me try YouTube. Let me try to do the videos. And then I actually, my very first YouTube video, if you go back and look at it, I tried to talk into a camera. And for those of you that just starting out like vlogging or do any kind of social like platform stuff where you're talking to a camera by yourself, it's actually pretty difficult at first. And it's like a skill that you kind of got to get more comfortable with. And so I tried to do that, like doing a vlog and talking to the camera. And I had a lot of trouble doing that. And I was like, I don't even know if I can do this. And I remember calling my sister and being like, you know, I don't know if I want to do any of this. I just want to go travel. Like, I don't want to put this extra pressure on me to share the experience. And she's like, it's okay. And I had this realization, like, let me, let me chop up how bad I am at this. And so people can see my growth. And so I'm really glad I did that because as I started creating the YouTube videos, they continued to improve. And, you know, it was really beautiful that I was able to use that as a creative outlet. I got the drone and I started like learning how to edit and it was just a lot of fun to be able to have that. And while I was doing that, I started um, writing more, not to share, but just like journaling and writing and just seeing the evolution of my writing and how it's improved. And now I'm doing a, a newsletter, which um, I'm putting a lot more long form content out and I'm working on writing a book. And so just realizing that the more you practice things, even if you think you're not good at them, um, you know, you put time in and you start believing in yourself, like how much you can grow and change. And, you know, with my writing, it's been a huge, like, just for me to witness it, it's been amazing to put the time in for that. I'm really excited about the book too that's coming out. Want to connect with us more? Would you like to check out past episodes? You can do so by clicking on any of the links below. You can also find us on Instagram at Lisa Staff Photo and at Fusion Photog. They are also listed below. It's all about that process, isn't it? I mean, that's a direct correlation with everything we do from you learning to play football to becoming a professional athlete to shifting and pivoting into to doing what you're doing now. I love that message. Just kind of start by starting. So, so, you know, the whole writing thing, that's a fantastic point. And we could go a whole different direction on that. But uh, I journal as well. And it's amazing if you go back and look at some of your early entries and in my case, regularly now five years, it was you just there was you really had nothing that was of relevance to say. And you were just writing like broken up, chopped up thoughts. And now I look at myself five years later and it's it's fantastic to see. Not that I became necessarily a better writer, but I became better at expressing my thought processes along the way. And that's the beauty of journaling. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's just getting to know yourself better and trusting like whatever flows out of you. And yeah, the power of writing things down. I mean, I connected with like in, in football, learning like doing game plans and learning the game plan and taking notes. I would always write all these notes on the game plan, but I would never have to go back and reread them. Just the process of writing it down would imprint it in my mind of like this memory thing. And so when you, even now when I journal, like I don't ever, I'm not really writing to like remember something later. Like it's the process of writing it and getting it out of my head. It's just, there's so much power in that. And like creating this, this dialogue with yourself and having conversations and being able to process emotions. And yeah, it just opens up such a wide range of like possibilities. Like, Journaling has been probably one of the best power practices I could, you know, recommend to anybody. It's been really powerful. Can I just say as well that combined with you visually, like drone coverage, every any photography, like for me, visually storing something, whether I look back on the picture or not, but taking that moment to mm -hmm. just be in that experience is really powerful too. 
Yeah, totally. I'm so glad I did all that because now I have this this archive of the experience, and it's it's really beautiful that we we live in a time where it's you know it's so easy to capture so much beauty. Sorry, and not that I'm going to become the next concert pianist or Rembrandt or anything of that nature, but I always hear people say, "Oh, I can't take photographs," or "Oh, I can't draw," or "I can't write," so I'm not going to do that. I'm just good at. I'm good at data entry and whatever it is that you're good at. I think really truthfully, the potential we all have as humans, what do we use? Like a fraction of 5% of our brain power. And the people that say they can't do this or they can't do that. And as Dave was touching on, you know, we're embracing all these new things financially and globally and these new practices because we're forced to, right? And if people just kind of step into a space using repetition and just kind of get there and don't expect the immediacy of it all, you'd be surprised what you could actually accomplish, right? Yeah, I think the, the the number one thing that's holding us back from anything is ourselves and these these self-limiting beliefs. I think I truly believe that anybody is capable of doing anything and accomplishing anything and becoming anything they really put their mind to. And you know, playing football really taught me about the power of visualization and mindset and, and growth and putting in time. And really like even me with writing is such a good example. Cause I would tell myself like, I'm not a good writer. Like I just, I've never been a good writer. I'm not going to be able to be a good writer, but in the process of journaling and I would actually, at the end of my journals, I would write, I am a good writer. Even though I didn't believe it, I would like try and create this belief system and rewire my thought process and it's crazy how that kind of shifted my mindset. Now I totally would say I'm, I'm a good writer. I am a writer. I'm an author, which a year ago I would not, have, I totally wouldn't even believe it. And so it really starts with believing in yourself and creating those, those belief systems and questioning where those belief systems come from. If you don't think you're capable of something, it's probably something that either happened when you were a kid, you're, you're something, somebody planted that idea in your head and going out and processing where that came from and, and analyzing it is really where, where the work, where the work lies. There's actually a brand new science emerging. Well, it's been around for a while, but it's now taking center stage and it's called epigenetics. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I first came across yeah. it through Dr. Joe Dispenza and he talks about the whole rewiring of the genetic code in terms of self-talk and what we were taught as babies and then as children and then as young adults and all of our inadequacies and, and their unconscious inadequacies because we see it every single day, I'm not as pretty enough as that person on TV, or I'm not as fit as that person running down the sideline, or I'm not as beautiful as that. And so even if people aren't telling us that you suck, or you're ugly, or you're a piece of shit, you see it every single day. And you're like, how am I ever going to compare myself with that? Right. And so it's fantastic to hear you say that through through self-talk and through reg and, and through repetition, you can actually retrain yourself to become something completely different than you once thought you were. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for football because football taught me that lesson in real time. Like anytime I would, I would, you know, it just how far I've come from, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to go from high school into the pros because there was this process of like believing in myself and taking the steps forward. And, you know, everybody that plays in the NFL or any kind of elite athlete at that level has done some kind of work where they had to question you know, some kind of doubt that comes up in their mind. Like, am I, am I capable? Like, am I good enough to be here? And you have to rewire your brain and, and realize that you have to believe in yourself first to make any of those things happen. 
So, Joe, before we jump into the hot seat, which we're going to ask in a few minutes, I did actually have one thought. So what your journey has been marvelous. And thank you for sharing with it there. Due to time, we're going to have to stop asking the, the 82 questions we prepared for you. But um, in, in terms of doing what you did, I do have one thought. And I don't mean to make this uncomfortable. So just you seem like a pretty candid dude. So just roll with it. Not everybody has the luxury of being an NFL player and and with being an NFL player, you know, you had disposable income uh, at your discretion to do something different with your life. And I'm not saying that that's the reason you were able. I'm just saying a lot of people could look at it from that perspective. Well, I, I, I work in a nine to five day to day to day job at McDonald's. How am I ever going to go back to school and become a doctor or how am I ever going to switch my my life around because I'm just stuck in this rut? What would you say to somebody who doesn't necessarily have disposable income to make a shift and a pivot in their life to do something that they're just not making their soul smile right now? Well, I would ask them to question why they think that or why they need disposable income to make their lives like you got to take like I I went and I played and I have I have money um, and I'm very grateful for that. But you know, as far as like, I worked hard and sacrificed. It wasn't really a luxury. It was, I sacrificed my body, sacrificed a lot to get to that point. And a lot of people, they have these beliefs that they think they're not capable. And it's like, we talked about earlier, it's these self-limiting beliefs, like question, how do I create the vision of what you want your life to look like? And you start questioning, why am I not moving forward in that direction? And what can I do to move in that direction? And you know, the day and age we live in, there's so many stories of people that have done that, have gone from working at McDonald's to becoming a creative company or living the dream. And so it's really about finding people that are doing the things that you want to do, find out what are the habits they have that got them there and start becoming that person that has all those things and then watch your life transform and grow. You know, people talk about this new idea of like manifesting their reality, right? And visualizing it. And it's like, yeah, to do that, the the way to do that is find out what, like, if you want to be a millionaire, find out what a millionaire's habits are, what their morning rituals are, what, how they take care of their bodies, start doing those things and watch your life transform and grow. Cause then you'll start attracting those things and becoming those things, but you have to become it before you can get to it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense, actually. I think a lot of people, going back to what Dr. Patel was saying, you know, functional medicine is more of a systemic long-term approach where, you know, we've been accustomed to immediate gratification. And I think people who are starting to embrace this new awakening and you talk manifestations and all that sort of stuff, law of attraction, I I think a a lot of the reasons people leave that space early on is like, okay, I've been meditating for six days in a row and I've been saying self affirmations for six days in a row, but I still don't have a million dollar bank account. And I think people don't realize that it's almost like you have to fake it till you make it in a sense that you have to believe that you already have those things and you have to live that. It's not like you can just sit back and be like, okay, I think I want to be a millionaire. So I become a millionaire. You have to do exactly what you just said. You have to start living it, eating it and breathing it just like you would if you were already that time and space that you want to be right yeah and you got to question what you want that million dollars to do because money really is just energy anyway it's just a number on a screen so what is the feeling that you're trying to achieve by getting that million dollars is it security you know is it you're trying to buy nice things to, to feel better like these are not bad things but having an idea like the million dollars is not 
anything really. I mean, it's just energy and what, what you can do with that million dollars is pretty powerful, but I think getting clear on what you want to do with that and what it provides you, then you can start creating, okay, how can I create that in my life now in this moment? Like, how can I create more security? How can I create these feelings that I want? And really that will kind of manifest and you can move towards those goals, but it's really about having balance on why you want these things in the first place. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, I think a lot of us are pretty scared to be alone with our thoughts. Like, honestly, there's a lot of crazy stuff going through your mind. Sometimes there's nothing going through your mind, but you made that first step to, to make that journey. What was your process and what would you say you would recommend to people as a schedule of things to do that, that bring you closer to um, where your journey has led you? Yeah, meditation is is a hard thing to commit to because it's one of those things you don't see a lot of benefits. Honestly, you don't really see benefits until you do it for like extended period of time and then stop doing it. And then you realize like, wow, this has been such a powerful thing because it's such a slow process. And it usually is brings up a lot of stuff when you first start meditating and you're sitting down with yourself and you start listening to your thoughts, you start realizing like how crazy you actually are, how crazy your mind is, like these thoughts that are just... It's hard to quiet the mind. And for me, I started meditating about five or six years ago. And I really wanted to start being proactive about the brain trauma and the CTE, that football, all these studies are coming out about football. And so I was really like making me nervous. So I was like, how can I be proactive to this? And I started looking at a lot of studies and these fMRI scans of people's brains for meditation. And they're just lighting up and learning about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity and the brain. You know, it used to be, it used to be the thought was that if you lost some of your brain or you lost brain cells, like they couldn't regrow. And that's totally like being proven wrong now. And there's this ability to regrow brain cells and neurogenesis. And so meditation, they actually have images of people's brains and meditations just healing themselves. And I was like, I need to get into that. And so I started doing it. It was a tough process and it's still, it's still such a journey, but it's a practice that I do every single day. Even now, if something comes up where I'm stressful, I have high anxiety, I have fear. I'm like, okay, what is this? Instead of like trying to figure it out and like do more things, it's like now I need to take a step back, go in silence and really like quiet the outside world and what's coming up within me. Like where really where is all this emotion and anxiety coming from? And you know, that's where journaling is a really good practice to couple with that because then you can process what's actually going on in your mind. But I think to get anywhere in life and to enjoy this experience of life fully, you really got to get to know yourself more. And to do that, you have to quiet the external stuff and really get in touch with yourself. And it is, it is scary at times because there is a lot of stuff that comes up in our minds. But the cool thing about meditation, the better you get at it, the more you do it, you realize that you are not your thoughts. You create this space of these thoughts aren't mine. They're kind of either conditionings or fears or different things that are implanted in there. And you can create this separation and those thoughts and those that you know, start coming up, you start not attaching to them and you let them flow through and you have a lot more calmness about you, a lot bigger sense of equanimity going through your life. And um, yeah, so meditation, I would say set a schedule. There's a lot of good apps. Like I used Headspace to start, which has a really good intro, like 10 day intro package that actually talks a little bit more about meditation. I use Insight Timer now because there's a lot of different guided meditations. Um, I think guided meditations are really good because you can follow along with people as they kind of talk you through different processes. Um, but there's 
once you've created meditation practice as a habit, it opens up so many things because there's so many different ways to use it as a tool to visualize what you want to become, what you want to manifest into your life, self-limiting beliefs, you know, anxiety, helping with sleep, helping with just calming your system or just a quiet place. And then just watching your thoughts and getting to know yourself more. Like there's just so much power in it. You said something that was probably most the, the most compelling and powerful analogy for meditation that I've heard. And I, I have studied Buddhism and I have, I listened to Satguru and everyone on the planet about meditation. And I've never heard something as eloquent in, in a simple way you just said, which is you don't actually realize the benefits of meditation until you stop doing it. And I think a lot of people have that misnomer about meditating is that if you do this, then you'll have that, right? It's like, okay, if I meditate, then I'm going to feel surreal or I'm going to feel empowered or I'm going to suddenly be enlightened. And that's not how it works. I love that analogy. Yeah, totally. That's a really good book that got me uh, into meditation was 10% happier by Dan Harris, because he's so honest about it. And he, he tells his whole life story, which I really connected with. And he talks about how he got introduced to meditation. And at the end of the book, he says, I'm not saying that this is going to change your life. I'm not going to say that this is the thing that's going to fix all your problems, but I will say in my experience, it will make you 10% happier. And like, it's just so honest. It's like, it's such a small, subtle shift, but it has such a profound impact when you use it throughout your life and, and use it as a tool in all those different ways. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's almost basically giving your brain a nap for whatever period of time that you're doing it. And if you can learn to just detract from all those crazy monkeys in your head, it's it's mm. honestly we're all day long. We're doing something, whether we're cooking something, tending to our children, working our job, answering social media. We're just constantly bombarded with the stimulations. If And if for no other reason, just stepping out of it for 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day, you actually can just shut off and detach. It has wonders. Um, man, I could just go on with these conversations like every guest we've had today with a brilliant list of other questions. Did you want to, uh, anything specific you wanted to hear before we jump no, into the, I just, I just love the package of everything. It's not just one thing that he's talked about. There's so many other things, so many nuggets that you've given us today to get from A to B and uh, start that journey and take that step. All right, Joe, are you ready? So this is a new uh, new element that we're introducing to the show. We originally had 12 questions picked out, but because of time, we might cut this in half. So we're just going to ask several questions. And first thing that pops into your mind, don't overthink it, don't overtalk it. Well, I should tell myself that message. But quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready for this? Uh, yes. Okay. You get to pick one global crisis to solve today. One out of these three. Whatever you say goes. So like Rajal, you have the, the magic wand. Would you choose, and these are the only three options. Would you choose global warming, poverty, or racism? Mm. Oh, man, poverty. You get to spend a day with anyone on the planet alive today. Who is it going to be besides us? Besides <laughs> us. Oh, First guy that came to mind was Sad Guru because you talked about him and I'd love to just pick his mind. <laughs> Man, I actually sent him a video. I got to tell you about this later. All right. Next question. <laughs> Would you rather that the aliens that first make contact with us on this planet be organic or of robotic nature? Uh, organic. Totally. Trump, is, <laughs> Trump is president in 2021. True or false? <sighs> Uh, true. I, I think true. 
Would you rather make a phone call or send a text message? Um, text message. Big party or small gathering? Oh man, I used to be a big partier. I love both. I love both. I gotta I'll be honest. Pick one. I'm all, <laughs> you only uh, get one. Now small <laughs> gathering. Small gathering. All right. Now. Would you rather lose the ability to read or lose the ability to speak? Uh, lose the ability to speak. Superpower. Um, get one superpower. Ooh, being able to fly would be pretty dope. <laughs> or teleport. <laughs> All right. This one's a little bit out there. Would you rather spend your life with a 10 with a bad personality or a four with an amazing personality? That was a send in question. That was a send in question. I would say, I mean, that the 10 and the four is so relative. I mean, I, it's really like, for me, it's all about the energetic connection. And so I don't need like the looks that it's all about the feel and how the connection works. Um, and we just talked about earlier. I mean, the, the way society makes these tens and fours and like what people look like, it's really about how, how to make you feel and the connection on a soul level is, is so much deeper for me. I know that wasn't really a hot seat answer, but no, I like that. I like that response. So when you're talking about uh, how to make other people feel honesty or protecting someone else's feelings, uh, truth all the way. Always. Even at the cost of offending, I agree with you. Okay, Joe, we have run out of time, unfortunately. I think this is actually going to turn into three separate podcasts because the information <laughs> from all three oh, of you was yeah. yeah, it was just brilliant. So um, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you doing that hot seat with us. Dr. Rajal, thank you, Patel. Um, David, as always, your honesty and, and, your, and your insights be, uh, behind all of the things, economics and finance and global are just fantastic. Um, Do you want Joe to leave us with a couple of thoughts and where people can get more information from him and, absolutely. and his book and all of the great things? So Joe, yeah, you're closing 30 second elevator pitch. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think connecting with one of my kind of mantras from the road trip is is live with less so you can experience more. Um, you know, I think connecting with with really what you value in life and and um, you know slowing down and taking this as an opportunity to really go inward is uh, is beautiful. I think um, you can find me at joe.holly on Instagram. That's my best social media that I communicate with anybody if you want to reach out and have any more questions. And I'm working on uh, transitioning into a personal brand and writing the book. So be on the lookout for that. And I appreciate you guys so much for the opportunity. It's been a great conversation. So I just put everything up on the chat board of where you can find him on Instagram, his fantastic uh, life mantra, and then his blog. And then when we produce this in a few days, when we send it back out, all of this information will also be in there on the, on the screen that we render out, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Thank you. I appreciate everyone's time. And for those of you who even stayed on because we were talking so much and the guests, <laughs> thank you. And everyone who's joined us. Fantastic day. And again, um, that was Joe Hawley. He's on Instagram at joe.holly. We had Dr. Rajal Patel on and we'll send all of her information. And then of course, David Miller, appreciate your time. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to Connect, Collaborate, and Create. We hope you enjoyed the show. If there's a topic you would like to discuss, want to be our guest, or have any helpful comments, feel free to drop us a line below. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again. Have a fantastic day. Mm-hmm.